and listening to that awful noise that the internet would make when it was connecting. And I'm Eric. We want to welcome you in today for our discussions on theology, pastor care, 80s hair metal, and everything under the sun. Hope all is well with you today, Eric. How are you doing today, Brian? Uh, doing doing well. Had a good day. Got a lot accomplished. Got to hang out uh, with you for a little bit. Uh, went to the gym. It was closed. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's a day right there. That's a day. Yeah, we went to one of our uh, a new old hangout, I guess you could say, Sonny's Real Pet Barbecue. Yes. Um, but ha- but this is not the Sonny's that we used to frequent. Uh, right. In the, in the last 20 years, they've built a new one. <laughs> and uh, so we, we went to the new one, which we've been there before, enjoyed some barbecue. It's good to talk. Uh, we talk about we are so old that we had a previous Sunnies. They built this new Sunnies, and then they remodeled this new Sunnies. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, we went in and they remodeled since we've been there, and uh, it was nice. Food was good. Enjoyed the time together. Uh, got to talk about the podcast a little bit. Future plans and hopes. Okay. All of that stuff. Well, uh, let's jump right in. Um, Australian sailor. And dogs survive three months adrift in the Pacific Ocean by eating raw fish and drinking water. Uh, this man named Timothy Shattuck, age 54, and his pup Bella were found alive aboard his, his boat uh, named Aloha Toa in the Pacific Ocean, about 1,200 miles from land. Um, man, surviving at sea for three months. Uh, adrift, yeah. eating nothing but raw fish and drinking rainwater. That's Not a man only, right there. That is a man, uh, Mr. Mr. Timothy Shattuck. We salute you today and your dog, <laughs> Bella. So the question comes up, uh, Eric, uh, here we are, 14 years younger than uh, Timothy. Uh, could you survive three months at sea on nothing but raw fish and drinking water? Tyler, I would die immediately, like the, the very first day. Like I, I know we were talking earlier today about um, trying to eat a certain way. With uh, I'm trying to eat low carb right now. Uh, made it, and that, that's a big selection of food. Yeah, made it a little <laughs> over two days, and I'm already struggling a little bit. So I, I can't imagine this guy eating raw fish only, which I guess he didn't really have much choice. Did you see any pictures of him? Yeah, I did right there on the website um, on this Fox News site. Yeah, it shows a picture of him getting his blood pressure done there. Uh, bearded man, long hair, looks like he was made for the sea. Uh, yeah, he, he looks like Tom Hanks from Castaway. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, it's I mean, he has the beard and everything. Yeah, he does. And so, ah, man, I couldn't do it either. I'm about like you. Uh, my, I, could, I don't know that I'd make it through the night. I would probably... Uh, it'd be one of those situations where I just knew I was going to be taken by shark. So I probably would just jump in and let them have me uh, (laughs) instead of putting up the fight. But goodness, what a, 
that would be, I think, one of the scariest things, just floating and not able to see land and no way to get anywhere. Yeah. And what do you do? What do you do in the night if it's a cloud cover? You have no you have no moon. You have no stars in the sky to see anything. It's pitch black. You're out on a black ocean. Uh, you can't see anything. You've got your little dog there. The dog wasn't a big dog. The only thing to keep you comfort. Uh, you can't drink the salt water. No. You have to hope for rain. And what kind of man? Even uh, it doesn't say how he catches the fish, but he catches fish somehow, and then he eats the fish raw. <laughs> I don't even know how you would do that. Do you just bite in? Is that what you do? I, I get. I guess so. Um, I, I know some sushi's raw. I've done sushi before. Uh, yeah. I, I get. I guess you just dig in and go for it. Well, it's a delicacy. Eating raw fish. To see. <laughs> I bet the dog didn't have a worry in the world, though. Ah, uh, I don't know. If, if we have a dog, uh, and he's a big dog, and he is scared of everything, he is—he uh, will bark a lot, but he's—he's he's terrified right now. Um, of course, it's summer, so he's—he's he's an outdoor dog. He—he uh, he won't even—he wouldn't even come in the house if we let him. He put his front paws in, won't come all the way in. Yeah. Um, but right now, to kind of keep him off the porch some, because he sheds a lot, I have <laughs> a leaf blower. And all I have to do is just just wind up the leaf blower just for a second, just hit the hit the button and make it make a noise, and he will run just as far as he can. <laughs> He's terrified of the leaf blower. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, that was that's that's quite the story uh, that you sent me last week about about uh, Mister what was his name Shattuck uh, caught there at sea and surviving yeah. for three months. That's that's ninety days. That's a long time. Yeah, I, I I can't do that stuff. That reminds me, um, our good friend Jonathan Absher. Um, yeah. Do you remember we had a, like a camp out one night at, at uh, his house? Yeah, it was, it was after a football game one Friday okay. night. I think it was for his birthday. Vaguely remember and, that. Yeah, um, I didn't make it through the night then. I went back up to my truck while everybody else was <laughs> sleeping and got in the truck and slept there. I couldn't, oh, <laughs> couldn't you know, do that. But- We've tried to do a couple, uh, you know, the family campouts here at the home. Uh, we got a tent. We'll throw it in the backyard. And uh, we live in a subdivision here. Not much goes on. Although I did see a fox in the back of the yard the other day. But uh, <laughs> but we were – and I, I hate sleeping on the ground. Um, I'm, a, I'm a man of modern technologies. I love air yes. conditioner. Uh, I just don't – I don't find the fun in it. I know some people do. I don't. I Give me a bed. <laughs> give me air conditioner. I'm happy. Yes. I, I, I kind of, if you've listened to previous podcasts, I kind of feel about camping outside the way I feel about John. Uh, uh, <laughs> about some of the bands we hate. Are you going to say John Deere? <laughs> Dave Matthews? Dave Matthews. <laughs> Dave Matthews. John Deere. Dave Matthews music. Oh, gosh. I had John, John Cougar Mellencamp on the mind for some reason. <laughs> oh, Goodness gracious. Whew. Oh, got thinking about being lost at sea and lost myself. Oh, threw, man. threw you for a loop there. It did. It did. Well, let's let's uh let's move on. Um we both uh we as we've talked, we've we've been in the the pastor role role. Uh me, uh six years, you, what was your years again? 14, right at right at 16, sixteen. Sixteen. So yeah. But but we both uh pastored through uh, the COVID year. Um, yeah. And uh, we want to talk about that a little bit. We know that uh, uh, 
well, I could speak personally for myself. That was a difficult year to pastor. Um, had to make many adjustments that uh, <laughs> never had to make before. And uh, let's just talk about that experience a little bit, Eric, about when, you know, that uh, really, I don't know how, I can't think of how long it was, maybe six months there where we had to pastor uh, through COVID and in different aspects and different ways and things, you know, both of us have been to Bible college, things that Bible college didn't teach us, All right, <laughs> nor, absolutely. Nor, nor did they teach anybody. Everyone had yeah. to kind of figure that out a little bit. Um, so what was your experience like uh, pastoring through COVID? Well, it was one of those things that you just kind of had to feel your way through it. Uh, you wanted to take it seriously um, while also relying on biblical principles. It's it's really easy. I guess people don't even talk about COVID much today. I mean, it was so shoved down our throat for two years. Uh, people are just sick of it and people hardly even mention it anymore, it seems like. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of easy now on this side of it to look back and say, well, maybe we should have done this or should have done it that way. Um, but you didn't have that luxury going through it. You had to just do what you thought was best. And, uh, that's, that's how, that's how I approached it. It was, it was a tough time and things were coming at you left and right. You didn't know what to believe. It seemed like the, the story on it changed every week, every time they had a press conference. You didn't know what to believe, and here you're the pastor of this congregation, and you sure don't want to do anything to put them in needless danger. Um, so, so it was it was tough to wade through. Um, just just tried to do the best you can with it. So, kind of, what was your approach on it? How did you move into that? Well, I can say this going into COVID is that I you know, through, so the church I pastors in a rural community, um, I'm, I'm about, I'm, I have a little distance of a drive to get there. Not too bad. I mean, it's a 15 minute drive for me, but, uh, it's in a rural community. So when it would snow, <laughs> that was some of the hardest decisions I had to make was, okay, are we going to have church or have we not going to have church? What did the parking lot look like? Is, is someone going to slip and fall? And is there going to be something that happens and I'm going to kind of be responsible for? So those are always some of those hard decisions that I've had to make in the past uh, with some men at the church. But then here comes COVID. And um, I pastor a church that has several elderly people in it. And you, you don't know what this disease is. You only hear what, like you said, what, what changes on the news every day about it. And so you're trying to navigate waters that you, I mean, I guess kind of like Mr. Shattuck there in the ocean at night, you know, kind of navigating waters in the dark. That's kind of what you were doing. Yeah. And it, it was almost like, let's just survive. Let's just survive this as a church. Let's try to survive this. And goodness gracious, there were so many things like, uh, for example, our church, uh, doesn't have the internet. We're a rural church. We really, there wasn't a need for it. And so uh, I didn't have the luxury of going to church and, you know, recording sermons. So I had to turn my uh, makeshift office into a place to preach uh, yeah. during that time, every Sunday and Wednesday night, so that, so that we could get out onto the social media and things, so, some form of sermons to kind of keep our people fed because, I, looking back, and I know you can't look back, and like you said, it's hard to look back and say I would have done this or done that. But what I can say is, looking back, 
I can see the spiritual harm that it did on a lot of people. Um, I can see where um, it just, it, it affected people and it's, uh, we're years past that now, but uh, can just now see them kind of getting their head back above water spiritually from the effect that that took on. Because I mean, the reality is this, and it's, it's not a good reality, but this is the reality that most people that sit in the pews, the only thing biblical they're hearing is what their pastor says on Sunday morning. Uh, you have, you have, you have a good, you have a handful that are reading their Bibles through the week and things like that. But, but I mean, we just live in a culture where that's not a church, church culture where that's very prevalent anymore. And um, yeah. so when people are relying on uh, a pastor to feed them every week and they're not feeding themselves through the week, you can expect spiritual atrophy to happen after a thing like COVID. Now, uh, what did, what did you do Eric when, when, when that happened and you kind of realized that, okay, we're, we're not going to be able to meet for a little bit. How did you, how did you approach that? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, you're kind of torn when that happens because in one way you're thinking, Hey, let's just meet right. and, and trust the Lord. And, and maybe you look at it that way, but then, like you said, with the snow, um, our church, when it snows, if it's bad out here at all, I don't, I don't want to ask people to come because I know they'll, they'll try to come. And if, and if yeah. somebody falls and breaks the hips one time because of me, because I, told him it was right. okay then, then right. that's on me so right. i kind of had to look at it from from that perspective and as we plowed through it we do have some members who are on the internet and on social media and things but really uh, i would say a majority are not yeah um, we, we were kind of the same way yeah so so it was it was actually a lot more work on me than usual because we would prepare we would do a sermon. Uh, um, sometimes the the folks that lead the music would come on a different time and we would record them and I'd have to learn how to splice things together and, and make videos and put that on the internet. And then on top of that, for the people that didn't have internet, um, we were on the local radio every Sunday afternoon for, we had like a 15 minute spot where I would kind of condense my sermon and put that out there for those people. So that way everybody would have access to it one way or the other. So, I mean, it's more than, more than doubled the work, but we just, I just tried to make sure that everybody had access somehow is all I knew to do uh, to the, the weekly preaching of God's word. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the way we did things too. I mean, we, we put everything on the internet, of course, and then, uh, you know, I, my wife's a rock star when it comes to stuff like this. And she, well, she was a school teacher, so they were out of school, too. So we just took a full advantage of, of that. And, you know, we'd get the kids done with the stuff they needed to do early. And we would just jump right in with figuring out how to do ministry. And uh, she was good about cooking things for people and, you know, dropping treat bags off in mailboxes and all of that stuff. Uh, of course, doing that very sanitized. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was, that was a worry, but but you know, just trying to keep in contact with everyone in in unique ways. And and I'm kind of like you. I kind of learned. I guess I got a, a, a grassroots uh, street level 
degree in uh, video and audio. Yeah, all that. You're, you're good <laughs> at it now. <laughs> Learned how to do all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but it was just trying to find unique ways to, to pastor people um, for a season uh, unlike we've ever had. And I think I was trying to sit here and think of when we came back. Of course, I think everybody shut down around April. Uh, if I'm if I'm thinking right, kind of in April there, they made everybody in Kentucky shut down. And yeah. then then I think we came back, well, I think at the end of May. And we were off and on through the summer. Uh, but we got hit hard in September. I remember towards the end of September, um, I think one of somebody in the church got it and it, it ran through our church pretty good. Um, and we were out for a little bit and I just thank the Lord. No one, uh, got it really bad in that first, first time. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and we've, everybody, you know, everybody got through it. Okay. But, um, it, I will say this, a couple things, COVID changed our church. It changed it in these these few ways. Um, when the dust settled and the doors were back open, it, it was almost like a, a weird cleansing, I guess you could say, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know. Just let, uh, let me let me add to what you're going to say, or I, I think you're going to say. Yeah, go for it. It is, um, I kind of looked at it as COVID just kind of nationwide really seemed to give people an opportunity who didn't want to be there. Yeah. Gave them, gave them an opportunity to not be there. Yeah. You Uh, said that faster than I was going to. Well, so thanks for that. (laughs) Well, say how you were going to say it, but that's something (laughs) that um, I I mean, for for sure that, you know, there's a lot of people in, in churches that, or just going through the motions. I mean, like with a lot of things in life. And I think this just opened the door um, for people to, to have an excuse to, to leave or to, to not be as frequent or, you know, things like that. And because that happened, uh, it's like, it just gave them the green light to do that. Right. You're right. And I mean, it just, like I I was going to (laughs) say, it's just the Lord using that to, to knock the, you know, to cleanse the church a little bit to get the, the the goats out of the pen you know what i mean and i hate to say it like that but but that's what things like that do tribulation trials uh, that's that's what they're for um and that i think that's kind of what happened and uh let me let me ask you this and I, i've thought about this a lot for myself how did and i'm going to ask two questions and you can answer them at different times one how did COVID changed the way that you pastor now that you didn't before. And then number two, what was it like pastoring through COVID and your, uh, I don't know really how to say it, your emotions, your feelings, your, I mean, as a pastor, it kind of makes you feel very inadequate. Yeah. Uh, you've been called by God to do something and you can't do it. Yeah, it just going through it. Um, it it didn't feel like enough, which it's it's not enough because we weren't getting to gather 
and, and people would, would watch online and different things like that. But that's not that's not gathering as the church. And, and you could I could feel that and, and know that and was very aware that um, there needed to be more, but you didn't really know what to do about it. So so that was just kind of a, a strange funk, a strange uh-huh. limbo uh, yeah. to be in. Um, as far as what's different now, um, I, I think in a lot of ways at, at this point, I've kind of got back to, um, pretty much how I was before. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I, I guess I became more aware of, of people needing to be reached out to thing things like that so maybe maybe a little bit of a perspective change but as far as practical things it's not a not a ton different from my perspective now as far as the church goes um like we've just kind of consolidated some things we're down to like we have one sunday school class that everybody's that goes to sunday school is part of now um meet in a in a out in the fellowship hall because that was there was more room there and that just kind of stuck so we're not off in these these little enclosed areas and things so so just little things like that that five years ago it looks different now than it did than it did back then just just the way we function like that just just little things yeah did it uh did covid help you tip over some sacred cows that may have been standing um, we, we do not have a bulletin anymore, which, okay. ha, which has been a, a blessing because, okay. um, I was, I was the one that did the bulletin, um, <laughs> as well. So that is off of me. Um, we just, we put the stuff up on the, on the screen. Don't have a bulletin. Uh, we don't have greeters at the door anymore, which yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't mind, if people want it to greet, that that'd be fine. Uh, we don't do that, and also one other thing is we don't do the the offering plate passing. We have a um, three boxes pretty much on on the different exits that people can mm-hmm. give into, and I actually like that better because I I, I just kind of feel like that's more biblical because it's more. Yeah, the Bible says don't don't let your one hand know what the other is yeah. doing to to not make a pretty much a spectacle of your giving and that just helps people to give more in private and um so so things like that are are different as far as the service goes also um i I guess the big one um at the end of the service kind of you know we didn't really have an an altar call kind of thing but but i would always stand in front, you know, at, at the end, after the sermon at that last song, if anybody wanted to come forward to, to, to whatever, pray. Yeah. Um, throughout COVID that changed and I've moved five feet to the, the left and I'm in a pew now, okay. um, singing with the congregation, which okay. I, I much so prefer because, uh, as we close the service out, it, it, it's like a, a congregational praise, a congregational aff- affirmation, um, so it, it's like, I get to be part of that now, um, yeah. and still, you know, still encourage people. If you have any questions, come on, Yeah. but really, so, so offering bulletin greeters and the way we close the service are all different now. Okay. What about you? Anything uh, stick out to you? 
well, the one thing, the big thing we changed is how we do Bible school. Uh, I talked about this once in a lost episode that <laughs> I was able through COVID because it, it was the time was near to scrap the material that we used and just write it myself and make it fit our church. Um, so that was probably the big thing for me, kind of just getting that under my, um, under what I wanted to be taught and kind of, kind of over, oversight. Um, trying to think, we, we were able to, we changed our, uh, how we do our Wednesday night stuff after that, just the programs and things like that, that got them more in line with where they needed to be, I thought. Um, apart from that, not much uh, that I can think of right off the top of my head. Uh, I can't say this, though. As far as myself, um, it was hard going through COVID um, as a pastor because you were just so inadequate. You felt like you never were doing enough. And I mean, I was like, I was blogging. I was making a video every time I thought I need to make a video, like a just insane amount. And working, like you said, working, your, it felt like that we tripled our time in work just trying to do a little bit. Um, but for me and my pastoring and my preaching, uh, I could say it made me see the urgency by which we as pastors need to be teaching the Bible, just the Bible, uh, to help our people know, you know, to put that foundation under their feet that when the, the rains and the storms come, it doesn't wash away, that there's something there that they can stand on. Um, it kind of did that for me. Uh, because like COVID changed church so much, uh, changed attendance so much. And it, it just kind of put that, that burden on me. Uh, it had been there, but, but kind of reassured that and reaffirmed that for me. Yeah. I kind of see in a lot of ways, if you want to start pulling positives out of what came out of COVID um, church for, for me kind of seems more like, um, everybody's more focused on, on, on the basics and the main thing now. Yeah. And not, not so much all the extracurricular things. So, so I, I think yeah. that's a blessing. Yeah. Because we, I mean, one thing that did happen was for the rest of that year, we basically, we cut off everything that was not Sunday morning worship and, we got back into Wednesday night and Sunday night, but for everything else, like every kind of extra fellowship thing we did. Uh, and those things are good. They have their place. Um, I like a good Baptist meal, but uh, we got, we just did away with that for the rest of the year. And it, it was good that when we came back together, we were just gathering on the, under the word. It was good to do that. Um, we're, we better stop with this topic or we're going to bleed into our last topic. Well, give away you, the goat. I, I kind of wondered, though. I mean, you said you enjoyed a good Baptist meal. Like, what does that consist of in your uh, in your mind and in your heart? What's a good Baptist meal? Well, anything that is an abundance of food. <laughs> <laughs> nothing There's in particular. A, just uh, nothing in particular. I'm a dessert guy. I go to the dessert table first. I told you all that all the listeners, I, I go to the, the back of the line. I go to the dessert line first. I get my desserts. And then, you know, whatever's in the front of the line, I'll take. But it's it's the desserts that make it a good Baptist meal. So so if there's one thing that you had to have 
uh, not you in particular, but just at a Baptist meal, it would be the dessert. Yeah, it would be the dessert. See, I would have, if you'd asked me, I would have probably said potato salad. Potato salad, interesting. Yeah, not a big, not a big like potato that? salad guy. If really? It, well, if it says salad, I don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, it's like mayonnaise and sugar, oh, and no. I mean, that, that's my kind of salad. Mayonnaise, is, I think it was an abomination to the Lord. Oh man. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, find, I'm finding out the deepest secrets of your heart tonight. <laughs> you are. You are. You got me here on the late night. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we, uh, you've got a good story to tell us. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give the, I'll give the big heading away, but then you can tell the story. Okay. Uh, I don't remember the age. You probably do. But one of the uh, highlights of our um, young, life was making a trip to a Nashville bookstore oh, yes. and, and meeting one of your heroes, Gene Simmons of Kiss. Yes. Uh, so, so tell us the story, Eric. Well, <laughs> we were coaching football. Uh, this was like three years out of high school. The way I remember it, we were coaching football. Okay. And we had to ask our head coach, <laughs> can we miss practice so we can go to Nashville and uh, meet Gene Simmons? And, <laughs> and, and he let us. So, uh, so we went and I have the pictures here with me. I <laughs> uh, have a few things to say, but here's what I want to show you. And this is the thing that I don't know. I know this was at the book signing. I, I think it was like at a Borders bookstore or something. Yeah, I, I don't store. I, I think I think you're right. I don't remember. I can, I can kind of see the bookstore actually. Yeah, I, I don't even know how we knew about stuff back then because it was. You were a part of the Kiss fan club. I don't. Was I? Yes, you were. The the Kiss Army. But, the Kiss Army. But what? Yeah, happened, he wrote a book. He wrote the new yeah. book, and I would assume that somehow in the Kiss Army that you found out or Richard was there and Richard's the one that told us that he was going to be in Nashville well, to maybe sign so. at the bookstore. Maybe that's what it was. But and while we, we were, yeah, what we had to, because that was the only way he would sign stuff for us. Yeah. And um, while we were waiting in line, we took a picture of someone who was in line with us. With and a disposable camera. Yes. We yes. always had a disposable camera with us. Yes. And, uh, and and my wife found all these pictures the other day. When I first saw this picture, I was like, what in the world is that? But but I kind of, once I looked at it, I kind of, I kind of think I know what we were thinking. Okay. But but I'm going to show you this picture. You and I want you, I want your reaction of what you think we were thinking when we took this. Oh, I can barely see it. What? It's a. Is that a woman or a man? And it's a man. The, what's he have there? Well, it looks like he's just sitting there. He has a, a bag full of books, maybe. Okay. Um, you, you notice I, the flowing brown hair. Yeah, yeah. Let me see if I can get it a little closer for you. Did we think it was a rock star? I think we did. Who did uh, you th I can't okay. tell. All right. It's a young I Bon Jovi. <laughs> I think we thought it was um, Mick Jagger, I, I believe. <laughs> okay, I can see. I can see why we took the picture. Yeah, because I, I think we we're thinking, "Hey, 
It's a young Mick Jagger. <laughs> yes. So so we took that picture and and obviously it's not because Mick Jagger's not going to be right. in line at a Gene Simmons book signing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we got up there and 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 I did you wrong. Um, <laughs> I don't and I, I need to need to repent from this. But do, do you remember? Okay, I have these pictures. Here, here's a picture of me and Gene Simmons. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thumbs do, up. Do you have that picture? I, I don't know I, if you I have. Used, I used to have one of both of us and Gene Simmons. I thought. Okay, and that's what I have here. Here's me. Okay, and that's you. I, I had that one. Yeah, I had my okay. Bud Light hat on. That's my Bud Light racing hat face. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm doing the the rock yeah. and roll sign with that one. So I had a I had a a finger point by myself, <laughs> and then then that. Okay. What you did not get was a picture alone with Gene Simmons. Okay, See, I vaguely remember that. <laughs> yes. So I went first and took my picture, and then it was your turn, and I'm like, hey let me get in there with, with him. And so we get a picture together and then you ended up not getting a picture with him. Uh, so it was well, just, <laughs> it's okay. You liked him. You loved him. And I, I did. I, I liked yeah. him. You loved him. Yeah. I liked him. You know, yeah. Have, you, you have, never, you never did go to a kiss concert. I, did never, you? I almost did once, but they were incredibly expensive for a, yeah. for a high school student that was living off of a referee budget <laughs> referee basketball games but how i went kids? to four over four. the years okay. and one one with um my wife one with mm-hmm. my friend scott of course mm-hmm. we've got to mention scott in every episode yeah. yeah and then one with my older brothers and the other one is i don't know if i went with my brothers another time i, I don't know okay. but, but i knew i knew that was one you never went to for some reason no i never made it i think the scott one i had a chance to go and yeah because that was know. in louisville yeah i think i was financially embarrassed at the time <laughs> i don't know how that we did what we did i mean looking I back on really, it really i don't either just to be honest with you uh, uh, yeah that was crazy all right let's uh that was a good time that was a fun day though because it was a spur of the moment thing best i remember yes um I can remember you calling my dad's landline phone because that's what we had. And <laughs> when did you get a cell phone? I was wondering this the other day. Did you have a cell phone when we ran around? Uh, I I don't know if I had graduated yet or not. The, the first thing I had was one of those track phones. Yeah. Uh, you, had you, were, you had a pager, didn't you? No, I didn't. My, my dad had one. Oh, I thought you had one. We thought that no. was the coolest thing. Yeah but see i I fought against cell phones for a long time like i i didn't well didn't want one i'm like hey i'm not doing that my story is that um i didn't have one and my girlfriend at the time who's my wife's now broke up with me (laughs) because she couldn't call me (laughs) so i went and begged my mom (laughs) to put me on her cell phone plan and she did (laughs) ah didn't know that story yeah so i was i was rebelling too and i went all the way to a breakup well, so yeah. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So that was a fun time. I thought it was, I think it was a spur of the moment thing. You kind of called me up and said, "Hey, Gene Simmons is signing at the Borders Bookstore in Nashville. We got to go." And I was like, "We got to go. We got practice." You okay? We'll tell Robbie. He don't care. <laughs> uh, and he did. Do you still have your book? I don't think I do. If I do, it's put up somewhere. I sell uh, mine on eBay. How many dollars? Um, I don't remember, but it, it was a, a decent amount. Well, maybe I'll dig yeah. mine up and try to sell it then. Huh. Yeah, because I, I was thinking, hey, I have the picture. That's all. I you know need. what? I, you know, I probably did. I probably like signed over it or something like that. Silly. <laughs> <laughs> probably. 
<laughs> All right. So you sent me a John Stott quote uh, a couple weeks ago. We've been kind of waiting to get to it. Uh, it's a little long, but I'm going to read it. I got it right here in front of me. Um, it says, <clears throat> it is difficult to imagine the world in the year 2000. Now, this quote was wrote in 1982. Beautiful year. Great the year. year. We, the year we were born. Fantastic uh, year. Yeah. So it's difficult to imagine the world in the year 2000, by which time versatile micropressors are likely to be as common as simple calculators are today. This will lead to the probable reduction of human contact as the new electronic network renders personal relationships ever less necessary. In such a dehumanized society, the fellowship of the local church will become increasingly important, whose members meet one another and talk and listen to one another in person rather than on screen. In this human context of mutual love, the speaking and hearing of the word of God is also likely to become more necessary for the preservation of our humanness, not less. John Stott, I believe in preaching 1982. So could you say that John Stott was prophetic in what he was saying in 1982? Oh, man. Yeah. And what, what did he call them? Like micro... <laughs> microprocessors or versatile, versatile microprocessors yes so so i'm sure that's referring to computers and ipads and and, and the like yeah. and for him to see that in 1982 and what he had to compare it to were calculators like hey th right. these things are going to be as as big as calculators oh <laughs> uh, yeah no and yeah he, he saw it and you know we we're, we are the last generation of people who like, like we can remember a good part of our life before the internet really hit yeah. and before we got computers and all that and what life was like before then. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then as the internet started growing and you started learning about it and now, now that's it. It's just life is full of technology and computers and everything's connected to data or the internet. Um, so, so we, I, I think, are uniquely uh, poised to to kind of speak to this because right. just because of the way the way we grew up. But yeah, he he really saw it coming down the pike there, and especially connecting it to our need to continue to gather together as as a church congregation and uh, make sure to have that human contact. Yeah, I can remember sitting in my dad's house and needing to look up some sort of something for school on the internet or something and using a free AOL CD that came in the mail and listening to that awful noise that the internet would make when it was connecting. <laughs> yep. And I got to make a weird noise like that every podcast apparently, but, uh, <laughs> but I can remember that. And now, uh, I mean, last month I was having a competition here in my home between a T-Mobile 5G box and the kinetic windstream fiber to see which one was faster to see which one I wanted. And me and you're in different counties, uh, probably, I don't know how 50 to 60 miles away from each other, uh, looking at each other's faces through an iPad talking because we have that much speed on the internet and couldn't imagine doing that. in even when we were growing up, yeah. Um, so, so here we are, and we've talked about a couple things kind of leading into this. We've talked about COVID and pastoring and kind of 
the the changes we had to make, the things we had to do. We had to go online. And, and before COVID, uh, we weren't online, Cedar Point. Uh, we, we had a Facebook page for announcements, but we, uh, I really pushed against live streaming th- and things like that, but, but we did it. Now we're doing it. Um, but that's, that's the world we live in. You see some churches, uh, I think a couple of years ago, uh, after COVID advertising, just online church, just, that's what it was. It was just online church, never going, never meeting just online. I don't think it's a healthy thing. No. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good thing. And that's what um, a lot of people, their mentality now is, yeah, I'll just watch it online or I'll catch it online. And th- they think that because they're listening to the church that they're familiar with um, on the internet, that it's, that it kind of counts or, or however they, they think, or that's kind of, kind of, checks off a, a box with God, I, I don't know. But listening to it on the internet is not the same thing as, as coming and gathering together with God's people. Um, the church is God's people gathered. And, and we've, we've got to come together. Uh, we do it weekly. We're there for the preaching of God's word, for worshiping together, for edification, for praying together, um, for, for that weekly accountability so many different things it, it's impossible um to to want to live your christian life apart from the church that's like saying hey i i love my wife i, I just don't ever want to be with her in person I, i'll just talk to her on the phone well that doesn't make any sense no, it's the same thing with with the church uh, you can't say you love christ and, and you love uh, the people that he gave his life for, if, if you don't want to gather with them regularly. So uh, again, this is another thing with COVID. It's kind of given a green light to people to kind of have that attitude of just watching it online. And, and I don't need to be there with those people. Right. And I think before COVID, what had happened, and you kind of, you kind of mentioned it when we talked about that, how that, it kind of made church a little more simple. COVID did kind of got rid of a lot of the fluff, I guess you could say for maybe our context, but, but church before COVID had, had became that it had became everything except what it was supposed to be. Uh, It had became more about, I mean, you can call them traditions and some, some circles would push against that word and say, well, they're the anti-tradition, but here's the facts, man. Even within those circles, they have their own traditions, <laughs> and yeah. they're they're just not new traditions. But it, it's it's the same, it's the same lie, just painted a little different, painted with a new color. Um, but so so that's where we were coming from, and now through COVID, everyone had to kind of knuckle down and, and do the internet thing for a little bit, just to kind of reach our people. And now the pendulum swung the other way and we are, you know, I'm asking the question right now, do I need to cut the camera off? You know what I mean? Is it, is it yeah. time just to, just to cut it off and say, you know, you, you need to come to church. But then I still feel for, you know, that uh, elderly couple that have learned how to use the internet 
that have yeah. made a Facebook account for the only reason of to watch their church because they can't be there. You know yeah. what I mean? So you're, you're kind of fighting against that. Uh, but, I, but I'll tell you, Eric, I'm a big, I'm a big time <laughs> ordinary means of grace guy. Uh, the, the, the Christian life is the, the, be careful because certainly it's by the power of the spirit working in us, but the success that we have in our Christian life is through the ordinary means of grace given to the local church. We're not going to, I mean, you alluded to it. There's no Christian. This is kind of cheesy, but there's no Lone Ranger Christian. There's no one doing it out there on their own. Uh, We have to have the body and God has um, mandated the church to do certain things for the growth of the believer. And, and we call those things the regulative principle. You preached a great series of messages at our church on that uh, during a meeting revival, we call it revival, but a meeting that we had a couple months ago and the ordinary means of grace, the preaching of the word, the praying, the word, uh, the ordinances, the gathering together, the fellowship, those things are vital. Those things are the very um, breath and life of the believer. And when the believer neglects those things by, you know, let's uh, let's 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 cash it in for a few months and just watch watch the live stream on Facebook. When, when you miss out on those things, I left out the singing of the word also in ordinary means, but when you miss out on those things, you're not feeding yourself. You're, you're being, uh, con- you're content with, with living on the spiritual milk for babes yeah. is what you're content with. You're not, you're not taking hold of the meat um, that is given in, in from the teaching and the singing and the praying and the gathering and the ordinances of the word of God. Yeah, and it's um, just a weekly gathering. We do the same stuff every week when when we gather for the most part, and it's just a consistent diet of God's Word. And I've heard the illustration before and I've used it myself that um, if you thought back a year ago, you probably could not remember what you had to eat that day. Um there'd be almost no way unless it was some sort of big celebration or birthday party mm-hmm. or, or something like that. You, you don't know, but, but what you've done over the course of the year is you every day had food and it sustains you and you moved on to the next day. Well, the gathering of God's people and preaching of the word is, is very similar. You may not remember what I preached a year ago, but that sermon, that word of God hopefully nourished you and sustained you and, and, and keeps you going. So, so it's that weekly feeding that you've got to be a part of um, in order to be sustained and growing. And, and I'm kind of like you, I've, I've felt a little guilty before um, having the live stream and things because it, it makes me feel like sometimes it's just enabling uh, Yeah people to to do that but on the other hand i know um i I can think of at least three people in our congregation at least that i know can't come 
mm-hmm. uh, that they have access to to the internet, but just just for physical purposes and, and things like that, j- just just not able. Now that's that's a different story than somebody being able and just not wanting to. But right. when there's somebody uh, that genuinely cannot be there, and and maybe this is the only opportunity for them to hear it, then and it, and that, that's why I've kept it going right. myself. Yeah, let me read some Bible here to us. It's Hebrews uh, chapter five, uh, verse number twelve. It says, "For though by this you ought to be teachers." You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from the dead, works and of faith toward God. Uh, the writer of Hebrews there is encouraging us to grow up. It's what he's telling us to do. Grow up. And you can't grow up. You can't grow up watching church on the internet. Yeah. Uh, you can't grow up um, uh, when you're separated from the body. Uh, you know, for the life of me, and, and you, you said it last week when you talked about the Lord's Supper. Um, as I pastor and as I, we, you know, we, we work through the ordinances and do those things. Uh, the Lord's Supper. I don't know how a Christian can continually to walk in repentance when they neglect the Lord's table. Uh, I don't know how they're, they, you know, I know myself and I know my my folly in seeking repentance, uh, prideful my pridefulness and all that, seeking repentance on a daily basis. But when we come to what the Lord has given us in the Lord's table, uh, that's the place that we meet Him there and do that. Yeah. It's it's a gift that God's given the church, and, it is. and it's, it's a neglect to take part in that. Is uh, you know you're just throwing that gift away, ultimately. Now, the pushback that somebody would give on this would be like, hey, I mean, you guys are just old, old fogies or whatever. You need to kind of change, change with the times. And We're not that old. The, well, that's what people are going to say, though. I know, I know. But they're wrong because we're not. We're, right. we're just ha- we're just halfway there. Right, right. But 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 they are. Uh, p- people will say, hey, you've got to change with the times. Um, internet, live streaming, things like that. That's a way of life right now. Yeah. Um, you you sound ancient when you say you have to come in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and if somebody said that to you what would you say to them? Like, like, what is the purpose for actually meeting in, in person? Is that just a, is that just a tradition thing or are we just being slow to change with the times or what would you say to the person that said that to you? Well, let me ask you a question. What kind of person is this? Because I have, I have two different voices when it comes to this kind of question. Um, okay. This am is I, the, am I being gentle? No, this is the person that knows that uh, they think they know what they're talking about, and they're they're okay. theologically minded, and, and okay. this is their stance. Okay, this okay, good. That's what I want. All right, so here's what I would say: I would just ask them how serious they take the Word of God. 
uh, I would I would I would meet them meet them with that because yeah. if we if we take the scripture seriously, and I mean seriously, then we will make the meeting and gathering of God's people the top priority in our lives because that's where we're coming together as the people of God under the word of God to be edified by God so that we could give glory to God in our everyday life. Um, Sinclair Ferguson is one of my favorite preachers, he's a genius. And I can remember listening to him preach a message at Ligonier one year on the YouTube. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was uh, out of revelation to one of the messages of the church. I don't even remember which one uh, to one of the churches in revelation. And, and he kind of went on this little bit of a rant as much as Sinclair Ferguson could go on a rant. He's a quiet guy, uh, but it was along these same lines. And, you know, we, we've in the last probably, I don't know, again, once you get a little older, time gets away from you. I don't know how many years, maybe the last 10 years. It's been kind of cool to be reformed. You know what I mean? It's a fad. Yeah. It's been a faddish thing. And he kind of used that against reformed people. He said, you know, you, you, you want to do this and you want to do that. But how he said, you know, the reformers taught in church every day. He said they had prayer meetings on Wednesday. They had Sunday night church. And I'm not railing against some people that don't have Sunday night church or don't meet. You know, I'm not doing that. We're required to meet once a week. I understand that. I know, I know, I know that. But the point was, if you say you're going to be as serious about the Bible as these men in the past were about the Bible, then you'll be at the church with the Bible. That's where yeah. you'll be. You won't be, you know, live streaming a sermon for people to see without the gathering of the local body. Uh, you cannot read the new Testament. You cannot, you cannot start in the book of acts and read forward in the new Testament and not see that Christianity is a faith. That is a faith that is gathered a people gathered. It is over and over. We're one mind. We're one accord. We're one body over and over again throughout the book of Acts and the epistles, it's, it's one church. And so we gather as that church, as one people. Yeah. So it goes back again, like so many things goes back to solo scriptura. Absolutely. Right. That, that, yes. that right. Dependence upon the word of God and, and what is the word of God? Well, it is actually the living word of God. Right. And the, you know, we get right. I mean, it comes the nuts and bolts of it come right back down to this. Does the man in the pulpit believe that about the Bible? That it is the living, breathing word of God. Because if he truly believes that about the Bible, then he will make it his life's work to preach the Bible, to tell the people what it says. I understand you can do that on the Internet, but but I, I've heard others say this and I, I believe it as well. I can listen to a sermon on, on the internet. I've listened to, I've gone to a conference and I've heard a sermon preached and I've came home a few weeks later and loved that sermon and listened to it on the internet. There's a different mojo working there, brother, a different mojo. Yeah. I believe that when you're sitting under the live preaching of God's word, the spirit works in a very supernatural way that is unlike anything that exists anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, that that preaching 
I don't remember who who said it or how it was said, but it's like preaching is a it's a moment in in time. It's yeah. uh, it's for that moment, for that day, for that uh, congregation that gathered people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I can I can see that for sure. Yeah, I remember. I like to listen to uh, uh, plug somebody else's podcast. Here, he's a lot bigger than us. Alistair Begg, love Alistair Begg. Speaks with oh, such, yeah. su- such a smooth Scottish uh, dialect and. I liked his truth for life every day. I, I usually listen to it and, and I stole, stole his opening prayer <laughs> before he preaches and he opens his Bible and he says, he'll pray. He said, this is God, God, this is your word. We've came to the preaching time now and we're ready and we're expecting to hear from you. And that almost sounds like a very audacious statement, but that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah, we're opening God's word, believing that it's his word and we're ready to hear what he has to say. I have a hard time believing that you can have that the same impact can be made through the Internet or a live stream or you're not gathered with God's people. Yeah. Which, again, kind of tying it back to what we said before, that was one of the things that made pastoring through COVID so hard and. Um, hopefully through that, it, it helped a lot of us to, um, be more thankful for the opportunity to, to be gathered with God's people each and every Sunday. It, it really is a blessing, um, just ordinary means of grace that we take for granted. Uh, so, so hopefully I know for myself, hopefully for a lot of us that we, we understand that, uh, a little better and cherish it a little more now that we've gone through the COVID time. Thanks for listening to the Halfway There cast. Make sure to listen to us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. And don't forget to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Halfway There PC. And find us on Facebook. Give us a like.